to the Sports on Point podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Smith, joined on the line, as always, by the phenom, Mr. Bob Williams. Five errors, a no-no. Hey, let's play baseball. I'll take that money. How many how many times do you think there have been no hitters that involve the pitcher at one point being down one to nothing? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm assuming uh, mm, rarely. I rare to say the least. Yeah, and of, and of course we are as always the guy pressing the buttons, Mr. Pod Severns. You must enable biscuits. You must enable biscuits. I hate you guys. <laughs> It's, you know, in the UK, you can't have cookies in a web browser. You must enable biscuits. You must. Hey, do you guys want to talk about this past week in sports? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. The Sports on Point Weekly Rewind, a week in review with Matt Smith and Bob Williams. Let's back it up. And what a week it's been. <laughs> Last Thursday, Derek Williams rethinks draft choice from ESPN. Bob? Well, okay, this this has an fishy little uh, title about it. I'm sure he ended up in Minnesota, but that's not what this is about. Uh, Williams was assured or, or at least told by someone that this uh, NBA lockout wouldn't drag out, and if he would have known that it looking like that it, it is, he would have probably stayed in Arizona, which, honestly, that doesn't seem as crazy as this headline possibly makes it out to be. That, that seems logical. Yeah, the... Um the moral I think of this story is that if you are a player entering into the draft, you have to take a good, unbiased look of everything that's going on around you because no one is going to give you straight information. And I think that that's the case of what's going on here. Derek Williams, he's talking to folks, getting information, get, trying to decide if going into the draft is the right move. And ultimately, I, I just think he's asking people who don't have his best interest in mind. And uh, that's the way it usually works with these kids coming out, of, coming out of college. On Friday, my respect for Tiger is gone. This from a sacked caddy. Now, going back to our British theme, that could mean a caddy that Tiger had in the sack, right? It, it could. But, well, actually, you know, all things considered on this story, it could very well be that. I mean... <laughs> I, it, it, that may actually be the double entendre that uh, that uh, they were looking for with this headline. But no, this is uh, this is referring to Steve Steve Williams, this is the uh, caddy for Tiger Woods for 12 years after being surprisingly dismissed this week. And you know, I understand this statement. I I, I think that I would have had a lot more respect if Stevie Williams would have come out and said this a little bit more around the time when the stories were breaking. Uh, I, I think he might have said a thing or two, but to come out after you're fired, it kind of loses some of its sting. I, I don't think he was trying to, to sting. I, I think it was probably just a, a here, here again comment that, you know, after uh, you end a relationship with, with uh, someone, whether it be business or friendship or something more, you just kind of have this, I don't know, maybe relief or this, this new perspective on, on how this person might might be that that you might have been blinded to uh not not saying that hey tiger's gone through a lot of stuff he needs a change you know uh if he's gonna stay in, in golf whether whether it be the caddy whether it be you know his swing instructor whether he completely just changes everything um from club selection maybe he'll go left-handed instead of right-handed or vice versa 
he needs to mix something up, and, and, and maybe maybe this is the first start for him. On Saturday, Ohio State dodges a bullet. The Silver Bullets dodge a bullet. Uh, the NCAA came out and said that they did not find anything new. Uh, they're not charging uh, and, uh, Ohio State with lack of institutional control or failure to monitor, which are, are the big two button points on this, which would have had probably led to uh, harsher penalties. Will the two-year probation stick? Eh, we'll have to, again, wait until August. I, c- I could possibly see maybe a, a little bit here and there, maybe a scholarship production for this year. I, I highly doubt a, a postseason ban just based on, on the fact that those two were pretty much tossed out. Right, I would agree. The um, I guess the best-case scenario for Ohio State would be that the NCAA decides that their self-imposed sanctions are good enough. Uh, I would still consider that to be relatively unlikely because these charges are somewhat heinous regardless of whether or not they had lack of institutional control. But um, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. I think that in a way, this ruling is bad for Ohio State. And the reason I say that is because Ohio State already has a reputation across the country as being one of the most hated teams in all of college football. And I think what we've been, whatever the reason might be, um, I think that uh, I think that what we end up with here is a Casey Anthony-like verdict where the court of public opinion has ruled Ohio State guilty since day number one, and when the authorities come through and say, you know, hey, this wasn't um, wasn't the lack of institutional control, wasn't failure to monitor, I think all of a sudden the blame gets put on the system and Ohio State gets hated even more. Yeah, I, even at this, uh, I know I said ESPN, and this is uh, sort of overhyped from the beginning a sort of a, a media wit witch hunt um no matter across the board really uh, it seemed like every time that something was breaking it seemed like that was pretty much pushed aside right away and these, these entertainment uh places kept pulling more and more stuff out that really didn't add up to much in the in the long run I think the interesting thing is that uh, more than anybody leading the charge of this particular investigation was the Columbus Dispatch. So, a little bit of a uh, little bit of a problem when the local media turns on you. On Sunday, Steelers Ben Roethlisberger gets married. Well, this is this is just really sweet. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we've all heard for such a long time about how great of a guy Ben Roethlisberger is, he is. And, and you know, just an absolute gentleman on and off the field, knows how to take care of his women. I, I, I would say that unequivocally, this is going to be a short marriage. What do you think, Bob? Over, under. What do you got? Oh, 18 months. 18 months? I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't even know what to say to this, um, considering it wasn't too long ago that he was pretty much thrown out to uh, dry in, a, in another scandal um, involving a female. Maybe maybe he's turned a corner. Uh, probably not. He, he might have just found the, the right woman who would look past that and be like, oh, it's Ben Roethlisberger. He might have a few bucks. Maybe I can get something out of it. It's the good wife. Juliana Margulies? No, it's not the actress. It's the concept. Okay. On Monday, Roger Goodell... Football is back. That's how Roger Goodell talks, too. 
Football is back. Okay, I was just letting you go because, you know what, the boys are back in town, except uh, in Canton where the Hall of Fame game got uh, shafted, uh, unfortunately for Canton. Sure, they get a D-League team, but uh, I think they would rather have the an, entire Hall of Fame game. Uh, hopefully for, for Canton, uh, maybe the, the Browns will play a preseason game down there or, or throw a scrimmage at them just to sort of throw them a bone. Um, but other than that, it, it, it's good to hear. We've started to see a mass free agent flurry. Uh, people going there, people possibly going there. This is crazy, man. This is Absolutely totally nuts. crazy. Absolutely nuts. Just, just an interesting little side note. Um, I was looking for a particular story on ProFootballTalk.com, and I had to go next to the next page um, 18 times to get to a story that was posted on Sunday. That's just the sheer ridiculous amount of turnaround and stories that are just pumping out of the NFL right now. It's, it's, a, it's a media blitz like I've never seen before. But uh, on the subject of Roger Goodell saying football is back, I don't care what he says. If that guy was on fire, I wouldn't piss on him to put him out. I wouldn't either because that's just gross. I would probably throw a bucket of water on I'm him. I'm with you. I'd probably, I'd probably get a hose. Actually, I think I'd rather Not piss your on hose. Than, Not my than, hose. Than water. You'd rather piss on them than water? Yep. The thing is, though, piss comes out so slow, you ain't going to really do much. Yeah, let him suffer a little bit. Because he made us suffer a little bit. Just saying. Uh, again, I, based on our previous conversations, I, the owners were trying to get a little bit too, too much of their hands, pull out a little bit too many cookies from the cookie jar. Too many biscuits from the biscuit jar. Yeah. Stay on theme. All right, sorry. Are we on to Tuesday yet? We're on to Tuesday. <laughs> on Tuesday, baseball video highlights and clips. San Francisco at Philly. Utley shows speed with inside the Parker. Yeah, this was a uh, this is a pretty cool, pretty impressive play by Chase Utley. Of course, the in the park home run without an error, which is uh, something you don't necessarily see all that often. Um, I think the uh, the thing that kind of excited me when I watched this video wasn't necessarily the play, while the play was spectacular. What I'm, what I'm seeing is a Philadelphia team that had a 5-1 lead before the play even happened, and the place erupted. I think there's a real big level of excitement about this Philly team, and why not? They're playing good. They've been injured. They still managed to be on, stay on top in their division. And, hey, every now and then you get some good karma, and you, you see one of these uh, once-in-a-season type plays like the Chase Utley inside the Parker. Oh, yeah. I, you know, this is, this is something... Uh... You might have to look back on this uh, this play as a catalyst that just launches them uh, in, into you know a crazy streak that, that puts them on top uh, of the entire NL and gives them the fire to to possibly go back uh, to the uh, actual World Series. That they're a team they can do it uh, if if they can get Utley, if they can get Rollins, Howard, Victorino, if they trade for someone because uh, they got the pitching. Uh, usually with Halliday, Lee, Oswald, this this could be the catalyst. And rounding the week off on Wednesday, Donovan McNabb trade to Minnesota Vikings in place. Sources say, Bob. Oh uh, yeah, for I think it was a sixth round pick or two sixth round picks. One one guaranteed sixth round and a conditional sixth round for the following season. Okay, so if he does if he does well, they can get two sixth round picks in a bag uh, of chips. Which they could probably select quarterbacks better than John Beck in the sixth round. Maybe. I don't know. 
I, I think the funnier thing about this is, yeah, we knew McNabb was going to get traded. Uh, it makes sense to go to the Vikings. Uh, but I heard uh, on Jim Rome today that, speaking of John Beck, uh, he was at the Washington practice facility today, and he supposedly got wrestled by security and thrown off the premises because they thought he was trespassing. Uh-oh. Wow. Uh-oh. Wow, that says a lot about uh, your visibility on the roster, I think. Um, yeah, McNabb, uh, taking a relatively significant pay cut, from what I understand, uh, to make this trade happen, there's a uh, certain amount of dedication to the game that I think that shows. I think, uh, I think McNabb was seeing himself in a situation in Washington where he wasn't going to get the respect or the playing time that he felt like he deserved. He didn't want to be riding the bench behind someone like John Beck. And I can't really say I blame him for all the things he's accomplished in his career. So he decides that he's going to move to a team. And let's face it, it's not a bad place to go. There's a lot of talent around him. And it's a place that, uh, you know, if he plays his cards right, he can do very well. Um, also, nice little acquisition if you're Christian Ponder because now you're uh, you're coming into a situation where you won't have to produce super early in your career. You can actually sit back and learn from uh, one of the best quarterbacks we've had over the last decade or so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I think uh, another thing we can we can throw in there is the fact that what the heck are the Washington Redskins doing? Daniel Snyder. I know you like to throw your money around. Um, you threw your money at Donovan McNabb. Now you traded him for two six-round picks. John Beck's your starting quarterback. You signed Dante Stallworth, Brandon Stokely, and Jabbar Gaffney in the offseason for wide receivers. And re-signed Santana Moss. So. Where, I, I just see... <laughs> he seems very Donald Sterling-like, un, unfortunately for the Washington fans, who, you know, they, they have a great fan base, but he seems to just throw his money around at whatever and, and hope, hope it sticks or works out for him. You know, he's just he's just too busy suing the Washington Post to even care at this point. And that's been this week in sports. And now on to something a little more sexy. And now for something completely different. And now it's on to our to the point section. This is the point where we have the two and the talk to point you to the section. So, we haven't seen you guys in a couple weeks. We had some technical difficulties and... Uh, life events that just happen and hey we're gonna talk about some football and yeah. for the first time um in a long time we're gonna be able to talk about something other than an nfl lockout we'll be able to talk about something other than collective bargaining agreements uh because there's a whole heck of a lot of free agent activity that's going on uh, probably even as we speak right now. Uh, unfortunately, before we get to that, I do want to talk a little bit about the CBA because um, you know this is kind of a this is kind of a big deal. This is a end to a lockout that lasted. What was the final tally? Ninety days. Way too long. Way too long. Um, and, and unfortunately, the lockout was not ended before the first casualties were suffering, uh, and, you know, something we know firsthand here in the northeastern Ohio area is the uh, city of Canton plans to uh, basically re Cry. rejuggle their finances because of the lost revenue that they're going to see from missing out on the Hall of Fame game. So, unfortunately, uh, you know, not without casualties. Uh, I, 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 
thought it was a little bit funny when I'm seeing Logan Mankins making statements about not signing his tender or whatever because his, what, $4 million or $8 million or whatever the number was, uh, just wasn't enough and it was a smack in the face. And, you know, I, I saw it posted somewhere where there are doctors who go to school for eight years and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on education who may never make that kind of money in their entire career. And that's the job that most parents dream of for their kids. So the fact that he's saying, oh, I can't get my $8 million contract. Um, you know, the city of Canton just lost 60% of their budget for this year. Grow up. But rant aside. Rant aside, Logan Mankins has already signed. Logan <laughs> Mankins has already signed. And, uh, he learned from last year. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the collection bargaining, collective bargaining agreement. Um, you know, there was a lot of hot buttons thrown around. There was rookie wage scale. There was percentage of league revenue being divvied up. Um, Rookie wage scale, this is actually something that uh, commonly men's conceived. There is not a rookie wage scale in the new collective bargaining agreement. However, there is a rookie salary cap, which the difference is somewhat subtle because the, uh, the cap does slide depending on what your draft position is. So how that's not a rookie wage scale, I don't really know, but they're just calling it a cap. Hey, it... If we're playing football, cap versus wage scale, I'm okay with the terminology as long as it works um, for the time being. And I, and I think it will just because of the fact that you're not going to see some of these absurd contracts. You might you might see, uh, you know, the, the, the whole point of this cap and, and a little bit more into it for, for the rookies is it it's going to kind of cut out the holdouts that we, we've seen in the past, people trying to get signed for these ridiculous contracts that they're totally not worth. Because how many rookies are worth the money that they are making in, in the NFL, especially the NFL? Uh, you know, um, because there's a, you know 10 other players on the field, I, I think it's more you can pay a lot of money to maybe a first-round pick and him actually sucking and hurting your team more than possibly helping him uh, that first year Usually, but uh, I, I think in the long run, this this will definitely help out, uh, make contract negotiations easier for for the uh, owners slash GMs that are paying for these rookies. Sure, and um, I think that uh, I think that the whole wage scale term just went out the window as a way to make it sound a little bit nicer because I don't think the players union liked the idea of a wage scale. Um, I think they felt it was. It was minimizing income, but then they agreed to something that was the same thing, just by a different name. So, horse of a different color, whatever. Okay, so the, the revenue split. There was a whole lot of news made about the revenue split. Uh, owners were originally asking for a 60% cut. The players were receiving... What were the players receiving before, Bob? Do you have that uh, number offhand? No, I, th I, I want to say it was 54 to 59 but I might be confusing the NBA, to be honest. Yeah, there's so much lockout news going on around now that it's hard to keep track of the numbers. But, uh, but I, I know with the, with the with the NFL, it, it it seemed to be that the players weren't really asking for much more money, if any money at all. They they were kind of happy with what they were what they were getting. So 
Yep, and and that's typically the case with a lockout scenario. We have to remember that this is not a uh, this is not a strike. It's a lockout, so it's in in uh, invoked by the ownership because they're not happy with the current system. Usually, that means that the players are um, so not not unusual for a lockout type situation. But um, the players now in this in this new agreement are guaranteed that they will receive no less than forty seven percent of the share of total league revenue, which. Initially sounds like a loss of, what, 5 to 8%, depending on what the original number was. But you have to remember that, that also this, this agreement also eliminates the system that they had previously where, eight, I believe, $8 billion was skimmed off the top for league expenses. That will no longer be the case. So the end result here is actually very, very similar to what we had before. Huh, who knew? So yet again... You know, we, we, we changed the name of the rookie wage scale, and we ended up with essentially the same thing. We've changed the percentage of the revenue split, but we've ended up with uh, essentially the same thing. Um, so it, kind of interesting how all this battling back and forth, we ended up going basically nowhere. So the, uh, one of the things that I think is kind of interesting, and this is, this is to me, this is, a, this is a, a coup for the players, is that there is now a team-mandated limit of 89% of cap space that has to be spent and a league-wide 99% for the next I believe two seasons and then 95% after that of cap space that has to be spent. So even if we look at percentages of that's going to players versus you know this that and the other we now not only have a incentive for owners to spend more we actually have a requirement for owners to spend more. And I don't necessarily know that this is a problem in the world of football, but my goodness, I'd love to see a cap with this type of rules in place in Major League Baseball. Yeah, good luck uh, trying to get some of those owners to do that. Um, I, I think this is actually a, a little bit from uh, kind of a, the hockey lockout that, that happened a little while ago. They had, they had a... Uh, uh, a ceiling and a floor and you kind of have to fit yourself in there um but i, I think for the nfl this will this will actually work uh well for the owners and the players uh because i i think it'll help the actual individual players salaries go up a little bit overall as well as uh the ability for some of the owners to 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 be a little bit more competitive with with the parity, we know the NFL seems to be the league that on any given Sunday in any year the ball bounces the right way, and you'll have Chicago in the you know Super Bowl when they're not supposed to. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in two thousand two, you know, it, even New Orleans Saints, the Arizona Cardinals. I, I think it might add a little bit more parity to the league, and you might see some players actually. Uh, Possibly taking some pay cuts to to, to help out. I, I know up in New York, you're you're hearing uh, how Mark Sanchez might restructure his contract so they can get uh, Namdi 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 Asamuga, uh, and, and just think of that possible cornerback trio of him, Revis, and Cromartie if if they sign them all. For sure, for sure. Now, um, one of the big, one of the other big sticking points was amount of money designated towards retired players. The number that I see, I believe, is six hundred. Uh, let me see here, six hundred and ten million dollars 
that have been designated for legacy fund for all players that uh, retired prior to 1993. So I think that that's a very good step in the right direction. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me to know for sure if that's covering what they need or or you know fill, filling the the uh, the need of those players, but uh, definitely a good faith gesture if nothing else by the NFL. Definitely, and this is something the players are kind of kind of pushing for, and some of that skimming that you were talking about earlier. This is definitely going going into this, and and it makes sense. These guys, I, I won't say play or or work in a debilitating environment, but it, it kind of is, you know. Especially when you see these guys who who are in their you know late thirties, early forties, and and they're having trouble walking around and things of that nature. So it sort of makes sense for them in in, in that, and, and it gives not only a win to the to the players, but you know it, it is the the NFL saying, hey, you know, we we, we get that. We we get the fact that you're putting your line on your body on the line day in and day out. Uh, week after week, year after year, and and we're going to get you some compensation for it, uh, and and that's good good to hear. Yeah, and uh, there there is obviously you know we 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 talked about the split of funds, the split on that six hundred and ten million, fifty one percent of that is going to be coming uh, out of the NFL. That does not court, count towards salary cap. Forty nine percent is that is going to be paid out through the players' share of accumulated revenue. So um, the two organizations came to came to some terms and, and agreed to split that evenly. I think that's the right move. Um, because while it's equally important for the league to respect the, uh, the players that got them to where it is, I think it's also important that the players um, you know, have that sign of solidarity for, unitar- uh, for, for unity between current and retired players as a show of respect for the, the, the way that they paved for the players to come in and make the kind of money that they're making now as well. Another big thing, um, another big thing I saw from the uh, from the little primer I saw come out of Sports Illustrated about this new collective bargaining agreement is um, injury guarantees on contracts. Something I never thought I would see in the NFL. And let's 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 throw this out there right away because it's not a complete injury uh, injury guarantee, but. Um, we're, we're, we're getting a nine-week window of, for first-time injuries on a contract, um, basically guaranteeing the contract. So, uh, wow, how the owners agreed to that, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm shocked and amazed. I don't know. I, I think the big thing is this is, this is more of a trust issue for the, those guys who have just those freak accidents. Um, and then come back, uh, and and that's you know, and and play at a decent level after that. It still guarantees them the money. And again, I, I think this goes more towards the whole idea that the the owners are trying to be, a, especially since they they were kind of painted in a in a bad light to begin with. The fact that they are you know trying to skimp money here and there. I, I think this works out in in a media relations type type idea that. They are kind of all about the players now, or at least it makes it seem that way. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's in there for the players' benefits, and 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 I'm going to be honest with you, this is stuff that I don't I don't know about you, Bob. This is stuff I don't really care about. But um, you know, they 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 banished two days. They they limited the amount of uh, padded practices and 
the amount of days off that can be given on, or have to be given on bye weeks. Um, oh, geez, I have a hard time getting worked up about practice and working on a daily basis. I just, I, I can't get excited about that. Oh, no, and and I, I guess this this will help uh, maybe a little bit more with the, the minor injuries, the, the lingering issues that, that people might be able to recover a little bit quicker. Uh, but this also might lead to maybe more injuries uh, on on the field because you're not going at the speed that you're used to. Um, you're, you're not getting the, the, the practice uh, required because – when we think about it, what, what's the motto we always hear when it comes to uh, practice? Practice makes perfect. You practice, you know, at the speed time. You give 100 percent. You're going to give 100 percent in the in the actual game scenario. So I I understand it. This is to help the health of the the general health of the players. But I, I, I hopefully we don't see a diluted product sometime down the line. Yeah, we talk about practice. Uh, we talk about practice. Wrong sport. Uh, yeah, wrong sport. I know. I'm, I'm fully aware. But, uh, no, I, I'm with you. The, the, the lack of practice time. Uh, you know, it's funny because I think both, uh, both sides of that debate stem around the same general point, and that's diluted product. I think the players' union wants you to believe that more practice means more injuries, which means diluted product. And I am kind of of the opinion that less practice equals less preparedness which equals diluted product so um geez i just i have a hard time saying oh yeah you're making two million dollars a season why don't you take a couple of extra days off why don't you make sure you get a nice fluffy pillow these guys work hard don't get me wrong but there are people in construction businesses there are people who work all kinds of jobs that work every bit as hard as these guys do who make a an extremely minimal wage by comparison. Maybe I'm on my whole Canton's budget high horse, but I just I have a really hard time getting worked up about them getting less work to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and we'll we'll see how it how it actually plays out. Um, you know, I, I I in the long run, nothing will probably change. You know, uh, the, these guys have been playing football their entire life. Uh, as as long as they understand uh, schemes and, and, and knowing where they need to be, and they're in their top physical condition, you know, uh, I think this might actually help out some of the uh, freaks at the draft comp- com- combine because NFL is known for its measurables and its speed and, and its freak athleticism, and when you're when you're not seeing as much contact in the practice the, these guys might not be seen as the holes you know and might be given a, a little bit more time to to possibly produce on, on the field where in the past okay you can tell in practice this guy has has some glaring flaws because they're going you know balls to the wall in, in these two a days sure someone might get hurt but you you i i think you can use it to utilize the player or utilize what you see on your player so your player personnel might get dis- diminished a little bit speaking of player personnel you know we mentioned a little bit earlier in the show but uh, the sheer amount of free agent moves that have happened in the last two days absolutely crazy I, I, I am thankful that I am not a beat writer for 
anybody in the NFL right now because just the amount of legwork that's got to be done to figure out what's real, what's not, you know, bouncing stuff off the wall, seeing what sticks. Yeah, actually, at this point in time, I don't even think you have to float anything because everything is uh, going at such a breakneck pace that there's always something to report on. You don't even have to worry about, you know, throwing anything up against the wall at this point. But uh, let's do it. Let's do a quick rundown of some of the acquisitions that have already happened. We've got Arizona Cardinals picked up Steve Breston. Um, no, nope. and these are. Say again? Was it the Cardinals? I thought it was the Chiefs. Uh, he was playing with the Chiefs. No. Breston? backwards? Yeah, the backwards. Yeah, Breston, Breston was the third wide receiver to uh, Bolden and Fitzgerald a few years back. So he, he's been in you're right, Arizona. You're right, you're right, you're right. So, um, okay. So Steve Breston, Kansas City. Another weapon out there with uh, Dexter McCluster and uh, – the old LSU wide receiver. Why can't I think of his name? I don't know. Well, thanks. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. See what this lockout's done to us? <laughs> we're, we're, for, we're forgetting players already. Dwayne Bow. Dwayne Bow. There, there you, go. you go. So that that immediately puts Breston as your number two. Uh, Jonathan Baldwin, who they picked up in the draft this year from Pittsburgh. Uh, so that that's a very interesting three man there. Uh, so you have McCluster in there, who you, who you can throw in the slot as well if they're going four wide. He's a guy who could play a Reggie Bush type mode. You know, put him put him in the third down back. You have Jones and and Charles there. I, it makes sense for the for their offense. Uh, maybe this will get uh, Matt Castle the the help that he needs there to succeed. Buffalo Bills got uh, Tyler Thigpen from Miami. Uh, not really anything all that exciting there. Charles Johnson re-signed with a ridiculous contract for the Carolina Panthers, six years, seventy-six million. Somehow I suspect that they will end up regretting that. Not that Charles Johnson isn't a heck of a player, but that's a lot of money, especially with this new uh, CBA that's coming down. Yeah, especially with uh, Carolina having so many holes in, and in, in, in I'm going to go with their entire offense. And 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 they just threw 42 million at D'Angelo Williams too. So I guess the the Panthers are trying to prove they're showing some showing some money, but I don't I don't know that they're necessarily doing it wisely. Cincinnati Bengals just added Bruce Gradkowski, um, so I guess trying to fill in the gap left behind by the now retired Carson Palmer, who they insist that they will not trade. Um, so, yeah, you know, honestly, as much as Gradkowski comes in there, he's a stopgap. Uh, we knew when Cincinnati drafted Andy Dalton out of TCU, he would be their guy, uh, maybe for this year or or the future. So I see him on the field. Uh, at some point, um, I, I actually kind of like the move by San Diego picking up Takeo Spikes. I know that um, I know that he is not the player that he used to be, uh, and I don't think that San Diego expects him to be. But they've got a lot of linebacker talent that that can use some guidance, and I think that's why you bring in a guy like Spikes. Seattle Seahawks making some big moves, um, essentially making moves to become the mini Vikings with uh, the acquisitions of Tavares Jackson and Sidney Rice to go along with their offensive coordinator, who I believe was from the Vikings as well. 
Uh, I, I don't know if that's that's an upgrade, especially when you see longtime quarterback uh, Matt Hasselbeck going to the uh, Titans. Um, your, your your quarterbacks are either Tavares Jackson or Charlie Whitehurst. Uh, last year, they had the three running back tandem of Marshawn Lynch, Justin Forsett, and Leon Washington, who did okay, but but nothing spectacular. So, yeah, they have Sidney Rice, who does okay with Jackson, who has a rapport. It'll be interesting to see if, if Jackson can get get that same rapport with uh, both Mike Williams and John Carlson, who, who did really well for the uh, Seahawks last year. Yeah, and, of course, you mentioned the other big acquisition, which has happened so far, um, at least from the free agency landscape, is the uh, uh, Matt Hasselback to the Tennessee Titans. Um yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much value they're going to get out of that pickup, but I don't know if this would have been the Titans maybe two years ago. Uh, you know, even when when Randy Moss was on the team, maybe uh, you had Chris Johnson who really didn't play much last year, so that leaves you with Javon Ringer, who's okay, uh, would be an okay number two. Uh, but your but your leading receivers. Kenny Britt, who got arrested, I don't know, like six times this offseason. Uh, Nate Washington, who seems to disappear in games. And Justin Gage, who really hasn't done anything too much uh, coming out of uh, coming from Chicago. So I, I don't know, this seems a little too little too late. I, I, I feel like, the, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier when we were talking about the McNabb trade. And I think that this, um, I think that this has more benefit from a Titan standpoint as a mentor for Jake Locker than it does as an on-the-field presence. You mean Brett Ratliff couldn't uh, couldn't be a mentor? Um, I'm not saying he couldn't. I'm just saying I wouldn't want him to be. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I got you. And, and it's a good fallback plan, especially when uh, these two guys, both Locker and Ponder, uh, Locker was always a top-round selection by by a lot of the pundits just because of his athleticism his gigantic cannon arm uh and, and he pretty much had no help up in washington uh if he, he can keep if he gets some playing time and chris johnson's healthy and i i hopefully i don't think it'll be this year i think it'll be next year if they can get a uh another wide receiver or maybe maybe a, a tight end steps up or, or something like that to give him a, a good outlet pass or, or a solid option. Okay, next year, yeah, that would be good. But it, it gives a little bit less pressure for, for both Locker and Ponder, and I, I think you're right in that. Yeah, okay, let's talk about some of the deals that haven't been done yet. Um, a lot of talks swirling around about uh, Plexico Burris um, possibly ending up back at one of his former teams, either Pittsburgh or the New York Giants. Uh, do you think Plexico Burris is a player at this point that can make an impact on either one of those teams? Two years it's been? Two years. Um, and questionable work ethic two years ago, too. Let's not forget that. <laughs> well, he has had a lot of time. I will give him that. Um, we'll, just, we'll, we'll, we'll take a peek real quick at the depth charts here. The Pittsburgh Steelers, you, you do have Roethlisberger, who will throw the ball and throw the ball to anyone uh, who, who's open. I, I know they like to utilize their, their running back out of the uh, backfield. And then even so, you have Heinz Ward. 
you have Mike Wallace who who decided to uh, sort of throw himself out there as a possible replacement to, to um, Heinz Ward. Antoine Randall who came back, who did okay. Uh, tight ends Miller and Spath, they get a, um, a lot of balls thrown at them from from Roethlisberger, and even Emmanuel Sanders did an, did an okay uh, job le- last year. So I, I don't know if he, he has a great fit there. Uh, I, I think he's third in the depth chart in Pittsburgh. I guess I'll give you that, but at that point, how, how many times do they go three wide receivers? Uh, it, it, it seems to be more more of a pro style okay we're just gonna use our tight ends in, in miller and spath and you know any any Steeler will tell you that the 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 weak spot in the Steelers organization over the past couple of years has been the offensive line and as a result what they end up with is a lot of formations with one or two tight ends that are in there um and you you know we you you said it, and it's definitely true that those tight ends get a lot of balls thrown at them and that's true but they also get kept in on blocking assignments quite often too, which just I just say to point out the fact that they always have tight ends on the field. And it, yeah, you could fit a third t- you could fit a third receiver in on a on a three receiver set with a tight end and a single running back. But I I just don't know that that's a set they're going to run out of all that often. And I, I if you're if you're Plexico, I I'd have to think that there's Got to be a better fit for you, don't you? Yeah, and out of those teams, I, I would say probably New York. New York's a, a better fit, just because uh, when your number one is Mario, Man- or your number number one is uh, Hakeem Nix, who didn't do too bad last year as as a rookie, I believe, um, and Mario Manningham. Two guys who didn't really light up the world. They're solid, you know. Uh, if even if Plaxico can go in there, their, their third wide receiver at this point would be one of the Michael Claytons. Uh, I, I think you would probably see a little bit more uh, production out of Kevin Boss and then even Travis Beckham, who they got in the, the draft, but he's a guy who can stretch the field. I, I think the biggest thing that would help Plaxico in, in general is what's always helped him out is, is his height. So I think he would be more of a, a situational goal line guy at this point. So if, if, either of those teams get him in a decent deal why not as as a situational goal line receiver right now the other two big moves that i want to just touch on real quick um potential that we'll be seeing kevin cobb in arizona potential we'll be seeing kyle orton in miami uh which one of those guys do you think has a bigger impact if those deals go down Cole easily or cobb uh j- just because he does have a uh better receiver than what they have in uh, Miami. When you look at when you look at what Arizona did last year, or I should say specifically what Arizona didn't do last year compared to the year before, um, you have to assume that any quarterback they could get would be an upgrade. Well, yeah, considering you had uh, well, right now your 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 number one is uh, Jack Skelton or John Skelton, who uh, Richard Bartell is your number two. Red Skelton. No, John John Skelton. Yeah, might as well be Red Skelton. Okay, and then Max Hall, who was splitting time with uh, recently departed Derek Anderson, which we know that. Uh, <laughs> you make it sound like he died. <laughs> well, his career died pretty That's much. That's true. Uh, if, if they can get, if if they do get caught and he, they do get a decent uh, production out of their three running backs 
in Hightower, Wells, and Williams, uh, Ryan Williams, who they just drafted out of, out of Virginia Tech. Those, those are guys, um, they each have their own little uh, ability to, to kind of, the possibility, they each do something different, I guess. Um, Hightower seems to be a little bit better out of the backfield uh, as a receiving. Uh, Beanie Wells has that mix of, of athleticism uh you know he's a bigger guy but he does have some speed so he can uh run you over or use some moves to get past you and then ryan williams i, I think was a good pickup that for them because he's a guy who can definitely run the ball multiple you know the, the 15 to 20 carries that they, they might want uh in the not so distant future especially if wells or uh hightower get hurt which seems to happen um so i i think he would have a Cobb would definitely have a, a bigger impact than Kyle Orton. Um, we also know a, a little bit more about Kyle Orton than, than what we do know about Cobb. You know, yeah, he's done some decent games in Philadelphia where his wide receivers were uh, LaShawn McCoy and Deshaun Jackson. Definitely some game game changers there. Where Kyle Orton was sh- Chicago, he seemed to. Uh, to, to lose himself in his head uh, during big plays. Uh, in Denver, he sort of got usurped by Tim Tebow. So he would be throwing to Brandon Marshall. All right. You know, he's done well down there. Uh, Brian Hartline. So I, I think Kyle Orton will be Kyle Orton. And even though he does have some, some receivers who, who could possibly – benefit from him I, I think he would probably hurt himself a little bit more I think uh, I think Kyle Orton is an overachiever only because nobody ever expects anything from him um, but that's about his only claim to fame he's been he's been moderately successful at um, mediocre teams that have re- have revolved around defense and not turning the ball over and uh, he's been at times bad at not turning the ball over at times good and when he's good his teams win so uh, that's that's what you get that's what you get when you sign Kyle Orton. Well, and, the, uh, go for it. Yeah. It, no, exactly. Uh, and those Chicago teams that he was a part of uh, relied heavily on the run and, and had a running back who could uh, definitely prop him up a bit. Where Miami right now, based on the fact that both Ricky Williams and Ronnie Brown are, are free agents, they're, they're left with uh, Daniel Thomas. Not, not exactly a bright future for the uh, Dolphins' offense. Yeah, considering I will officially say I have no clue who he is. <laughs> <laughs> it's official. It's official. Well, I think that's about uh, that's about all we got time for today. Um, we we should have plenty of uh, Major League Baseball trade deadlines. Maybe a little Carlos Beltran to New York Giants or to the San Francisco Giants to talk about next week so uh, stay tuned for that but uh, for now Bob let's cue the outro this has been Sports on Point we hope you enjoyed the show please send us your suggestions on how we can improve the show and your comments to feedback at sportsonpoint.com you can also call the show at 646-39-POINT that's 646-397-6468 thanks for listening everybody Uh, keep your ears tuned to the radios we'll be uh talking about enable biscuits thanks for listening everybody make sure you uh keep doing what you do (laughs) 
<laughs> which is I don't know not listening to us maybe I don't know uh, please 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 Cleveland I don't want another go around with Jamie Carroll 